You're listening to the Central Station Podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. When Connie Wood came off her horse and knocked her head, she initially thought not much of it. She hadn't been doing anything particularly wild or dangerous in the moments leading up to the fall. It was just like any other day on her quiet, dependable horse. What Connie would go on to experience was no bump on the head. It was, in fact, a significant brain injury. In this episode, Connie recounts what she can remember of her accident, the unexpected aspects of her recovery, and we discuss the age-old sticking point. Can you wear a helmet in Northern Australia for extended periods of time without risking heat stroke? And why hasn't anybody made a helmet that we can wear that doesn't give us heat stroke? If her voice sounds familiar, it's because Connie is no stranger to this podcast. This is actually her fifth time on the show, so make sure you go and check out her other episodes. We were tailing weaners, educating young cattle. So they're they're weaned off their mum, they're pulled off their mum and they were brought in and stockpiled at the homestead yards and then we educate them to know what a horse means, what, you know, how to follow, how to lead in a mob, how to stay in a mob, um, what it means when we face up, when we walk off, how to respond to pressure and it just basically just quietens them down. So it's a fairly controlled environment. Yeah. It's not like you're going mustering and there's helicopters yeah. and bikes and cows that don't want to be mustered. That's like they're it. already starting they're off. They're already starting off. We start them off in the yard we ride through them. And then once we think they're quiet enough, we, we brought them into a cooler and then from there we go out into a, a bigger paddock. So it's very controlled. But sometimes like young cattle and they're fresh young cattle, they did, they rushed on us and due to the sort of the relative inexperience of our crew, we had a fairly, fairly big gallop around to, to bring them back, even though even if we didn't get them back, we could have still mustered that paddock. But it just, it's a little bit of, um, a bit of pride. You know, you don't want to lose or lose the wieners, and if you do, you want to get them all back. And particularly on mine and Michael's part, we had a little bit of broken pride from losing them. And we—I was riding not even a you know young horse; it was just a lovely horse that that I drafted as well. And yeah, so that was our day. We'd ridden out, rode our horses. The the homestead yard's only about a, a k or two from the actual homestead at Bliner. So we rode our horses down and and then it was lunchtime and we had, Michael and I had counted them, the wieners back into the cooler. They were all accounted for, thank goodness, or we would have gotten (laughs) in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And then we're about to, um, there's a laneway that goes from, the horse yards, which is the old old cattle yards at the at the homestead, to the you know weaner yards, I suppose you'd call them. Um, and there's a laneway, so we were just about to start riding back for lunch, and 
There was another horse that another girl in our camp who's my friend, um, she wanted to ride, but Michael had let her, she wanted to barrel race it or something and, and Fitzroy Rodeo was coming up in the next sort of few weeks, month or so I think it was. I can't remember the dates exactly. And Michael's like, oh, well, I've already let it go. You can't ride it home. And I said, oh, it's all right. I'll just canter up there and grab her and, and bring her back. It's no problems. So I did. And I don't, I've been told now, you know, what has happened. So I don't actually remember. I just sort of remember going and cantering up after this mare and uh, leant out to reach hold, like to grab hold of her. And either my horse shied or his horse shied. And I sat down in the saddle. You sort of sit down and get your, you know, you lean out and then you sit down and sort of brace in the saddle. But what had happened, my girth was loose because we'd done all that galloping around. My horse had sort of sucked up and I hadn't checked it, which is just, I'm a pretty experienced horsewoman. And it was just an absolute rookie error. Just the sort of thing that it shouldn't have happened. I was just, Anyway, so my girth was loose and either a jerk from whichever horse and the saddle spun down and I ended up landing on the back of my head. I wasn't wearing a helmet and I was um, just wearing a hat. We weren't even going particularly fast, probably at a canter or something, maybe even a trot by that stage. So I was thrown from the saddle, the saddle swung around, I was thrown and sort of essentially speared into the hardest part of the lane with my, with, by the back of my head. And I lost consciousness, I was knocked out for a little bit. And I say a little bit of maybe a few minutes. Um, I don't know, I don't know, I can't really remember, but I do remember sort of waking up and going, oh, that was dumb, like that was stupid. And being, and Michael was going to drive the car back, I think, but then the girls must have radioed him once I was unconscious. He came back over and I remember sort of sitting up and my head just absolutely like just in pain and being like, oh, my head, my head, like, oh God, I'm so sorry. That was so dumb. Like, I'm right. I'm right though. Like, just I'll jump back up and ride. And Michael's like, no, you're not right. I was like, no, no, I'm right, I'm right. And he's like, no, get in the car. And I was like, okay, um, just take me back up to the house. And Matt was sort of at blind and we had to sort of go past the horse yards up to it to get up a hill to get to our house. And Matt was shooing some horses in the horse yards. And um, I was like, keep driving, don't tell him what I've done. <laughs> don't tell him. <laughs> um, I'm fine, just I'll go get a bag of peas on my head, I'll be down for lunch. And Michael and I like, sort of, you know, laugh like, you know, we'll get busted because you got busted <laughs> and um and then he dropped me up at the house said I see you at lunch and I do this is sort of foggy but what I do remember happening is um you know having that ripper headache and then going to get a bag of peas from the freezer just to put on my head but then I lost all my vision and I do vaguely remember this I couldn't see at all and then I panicked because I just had this and obviously I was concussed and I couldn't see and I was just like out of it and then I'm trying to like fumble my way down the hallway and you know try and find the radio to call Matt and then I do remember someone was talking on on the radio and like I sort of yelled at them like shut up like I'm trying to and then Matt and then I just sort of don't really know what happened I don't know if I lost consciousness again or, or whatever but Matt said he came up to the house because Michael had said go up to the house Connie's not in a very good way she's come off she's hit her head she's a bit you know not not all there and he said he came and you could hear this like wailing and he was like, what the f 
back and he said I was sitting there like in the office like I can't see like sitting on the floor like just a mess and he was like oh and then he said he checked my eyes and they were not dilating properly and I was sort of like in and out of consciousness and this now like I don't remember much of this this is all what he said to me so I'm sort of you know read like repeating what he's said to me and so he called the RFDS and where we were at Blind, it was only about 140 k's from town. Haha, <laughs> only. That's so close compared to Wayfield. Yeah. Um, and um, he bundled me in the car, called the RFDS, said, you know, they're like, oh, do you want to send a pony? He's like, nah, it's quicker for us just to drive. So he put me in the car, told Michael what was going on and, and, roared, and, and roared me in and he said I was just in and out of consciousness the whole way into town, which is about an hour and a half. Probably it's only an hour that day. And um, I just had not really much clue what was going on and kept passing out. And I don't really remember that trip. I sort of remember we got into Derby Hospital and I was like, oh, I'm just so I'm fine. It's, it's just so stupid. Don't, it's not the horse's fault. She didn't do anything wrong. She didn't buck me off. And, and they said, oh, we're going to send you to Broome. And they put the catheter, like a catheter and all that sort of stuff. And I don't even remember that happening and I, I remember sort of being frightened because you dis and this is like it sort of happened lunchtime and this by the time they'd flown me to Broome I still sort of still not with it like I said I was really slow talking and you know not great and then I sort of was a bit, little bit more okay when they they dropped me in Broome had to get a um an MRI and I said to the lady oh look I'm you know this is just it's just a concussion and then she took one look at it and my I actually had a bleed on my brain towards the back where I'd hit and that's sort of around that vision area I think which is why I'd lost my vision. Anyway they said that and I was in Broome Hospital by myself in the middle of the night still not great like and and being told my brain was bleeding and they so they they turned the plane around and um, flew me straight to Perth that night and I got into Perth to Royal Perth Hospital and my mum and my sister were there and my grandmother. And by this age, I sort of, you know, they're telling you that if the bleeding doesn't stop, we'll have to drill into your head. And I'm like, oh, my God, what does that mean? Like you just sort of don't know. And anyway, we got into Royal Perth. I had another, they, they give you like, um, they give you stuff and I, I can't remember the nature of a head injury. You can't remember what they give you like anti-seizure medicine and, and stuff to try and stop the bleeding, but they don't want it to clot, I think, either. So I'm no brain person. But um, And I had another scan the next day or day. must have been the next day anyway. Thankfully, the bleeding had stopped, so I didn't have to do surgery. I had to stay in hospital for a bit longer, I think just under a week. I think, can't remember. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and while they do like the memory checks and that sort of stuff on you and just check that you're right. But, and I, so they sort of let me out, uh, you know, because I was going to stay in Perth for a bit longer. So you get discharged from hospital. And I guess from the outside, that probably looks like, all right, she's better. She's out of hospital. Coast is clear. Mm. We're good. Yep. What was the case though? Well, you think, yeah, and that's what we thought too. You get the old clear, you're out. They said you might get a few headaches and stuff. 
but it was it's different like it's a long recovery like you had a bleed and the like a hematoma in my brain and um that was still healing and so i was really tired my mum and matt said i was still talking really slowly and taking a long time to respond like you know to someone ask you a question i'd have to think i had no idea i was even doing this like you know and take a long time to respond and getting really tired all the time and then I just wanted to go home I just wanted to go home I was it was cold in Perth they had Fitzroy Rodeo was coming up I was a secretary I knew there was all this stuff to do and support for Matt and uh, I thought I was so busy before I had kids (laughs) what did I know nothing (laughs) and I was doing I had all the nominations back then we did the all the rodeo nominations on paper. So I remember like doing the rodeo nominations, even putting them in and then like going and lying down. And But I kind of am the per- sort of person that needed to do something all the time. Did you have a physical injury on your head? Like did you, had you it's broken the no, skin? No, no, probably a bit of a lump. But other than I looked fine. Yeah. I think I probably had a bit of bark off from memory, but nothing. That must have made it so much harder because you look in the mirror, you look fine. Did yep. they, when they discharged you, did they tell you what to expect? Sort of, but I didn't, I wasn't really all about with it. <laughs> Matt flew down. I have to add, Matt flew down like he got on a commercial flight the next day. So he was with me. My mum and my sister were with me in the hospital most of the time. And then Matt flew down. And then once I was discharged, he flew back up because you think, oh, she's fine. And I guess it sort of didn't really, uh, yeah, I got, and I asked the doctors to sign me off so I could go home and they were like, yep, you're fine. They wanted to do, you know, like all the post-care sort of stuff. But I said, I'm okay, I can manage myself, like I can rest and I didn't want to go through that whole formal. It was work cover, um, but it I could, um, in a, we're in a position when you're managing a, managing or that sort of thing, I could set my own pace. If I needed a break, I could take a break. You know, I could work when I needed, you know, do what I needed as I needed. Uh, I'd get headaches and regular headaches. But what um, really knocked me around was the memory loss. So I used to be able to, Matt would be able to fire something over his shoulder. This is Matt's words as well, like, yell over your shoulder five six different things and I'd be like yep 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 yep. no worries run up and do them but then he would talk, tell me sit and tell me face to face the five different things and I would remember two of them and have no memory that he of the others I'm like no you didn't tell me that and no and you know and so he would become frustrated because I was no longer performing at you know this level that I was at before but I should have been because I was better and, and you I can't see and anything. You can't see it, and and then I would get tired, and then you know he would think I was just being lazy, and I would feel like I was being lazy because I was so highly functioning before. It would probably be easy to forget that you even had that it injury was. because it's not visible. It's you not can't visible. see. You know, if you had your arm in a cast or a big yeah. cut on your face, yeah. you might be like, Connie, why don't you? Oh, you know, accident. Yeah. But like when you look exactly normal. Same. And everything else and, and for all intensive purposes, like we're fine, but then not being able to remember that stuff and not being able to concentrate and focus and that brain fatigue 
it went on for quite a while and I actually ended up like with quite bad depression because I have a very, very um, high standard for myself generally and then when you're not meeting that and now looking back, like of course you weren't going to be operating at the same function. Your brain was bleeding but when you're in it, you just, so I ended up with quite really, really badly depressed and it put a lot of strain on our marriage which because, would have been pretty new at that point. Yeah, it was. We've been married. We got married in 2015 and we've been together since 2011, 2012. So it's all. But it was a new and I'd just, I'd just come back to the station that year after working working off the station and, and juggling all that, that stuff uh, as well. I've worked off the station as well as working on the station as everyone who works and lives in this life does. Um, and so I was back on the station and, you know, with my husband who we've been married for, just over a year and going through this and there was a lot of pressure and, and you know the lot most of the pressure came from me but a lot of pressure from Matt and because you again like you said you can't see it you it's not something that's in the forefront of your mind so and then I decided to go and see a psych because I just felt like shit all the time all the time and I just had such a low opinion of myself because suddenly I can't do all this stuff and you know my relationships bloody rocky and yeah it was hard suddenly not being able to do all these things so you know like anything just one step at a time and I've just learnt now just different coping mechanisms of I just write everything down everything. So 2016 that's seven years ago yep. so you're still experiencing some some things yeah all just these little bits and I think now it's not so much because I just I just it's just a habit now just a habit I just I just write everything down yeah as soon as I do something I just know I just have to write it down I still take antidepressants that's just something I just always I think in my life I'll have to take it's just like anything it's probably something I was already predisposed to anyway genetically and that's you know that's just life you've had a major brain injury yeah like yeah and I probably are probably suffered a bit before then anyway with depression but that sort of brought it all out to the fore and now yeah you just go a bit easier on yourself now I know that I can't do it all I just I still try to <laughs> <Don't we all? laughs> but I know that I need to take time out sometimes and I I do have you know, a govy and a nanny because there's so much stuff that needs to happen. But then I also know that sometimes I just need to go and have a lie down or I just need to go and do something that's not work or that's relaxing. I just, I've learnt lessons from that that I don't have to keep up with Matt. I can just do things at my own pace and my own way. And that's what I do. How long was it after the accident before you got back on a horse? Probably pretty well as soon as I got home. Connie. I, I was breaking in. I, <laughs> so you weren't just getting back on a horse, you I were getting on breakers. In. I went oh. and started breaking in with a – I was wearing a helmet then. Yeah, pretty well as soon as I got home. We had Fitzroy Rodeo. I actually camped after it, I think. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now looking back on it, I'm like, what? <laughs> I drafted in a helmet. And then, yeah, broke in, broke in horses again with a helmet on. I wore a helmet the whole time. I probably wore a helmet the whole, like, um, most of the time 
uh, until all the rest of the year I wore a helmet. And then I probably started not wearing a helmet once I was pregnant with Harry because it was either do I overheat in this helmet when I'm not doing any hard riding because I'm pregnant. I was just bringing up the tail and, you know, sort of trotting and cantering around on, on a mare that was dead, 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 dead quiet. And I sort of, people were like, where's your helmet? Why aren't you wearing a helmet? I'm like, well, I'm either going to cook myself or I'm just, I'm not doing anything. I'm just trotting, cantering along the tail. I'm very conscious. Yeah. Yeah. So that's real. And then even now I get on, I still was breaking in this year. And I've, since then I've been pregnant or breastfeeding Plus six years, seven years, whatever it is. <laughs> it feels like an eternity. But I still camp draft with a helmet on because in my mind there's no excuse. Like when you're mustering, I muster if I'm and then the first sort of rides on, on horses in the beginning of the year when they might be a bit fresh, there might be a bit of a thing to have a fall. I wear a helmet. I wear a helmet on all my young horses or breaking in competing because that's there's no excuse not to when you're out all day mustering it gets hot and you get burnt and cooked in these conditions they still haven't come up with a good solution for people like us yeah I was gonna say I can imagine there must be or there will be, will be some listeners thinking you know and I know I, I suppose I've thought this at some point mm. not just about you but many people and myself being like okay, you know what the risk is. We've seen what can happen. So why do you not wear a helmet all the time? But as you say, you probably like, it just isn't practical to wear them for, you know, 10 hours a day when you're in this heat. Absolutely. At certain times of year, the humidity. Yeah. I just don't understand how nobody's made a super lightweight helmet that's really strong. Like I know that, I know it can be done Uh, with a brim. I know there are helmets out there with brims on them and stuff, but they're very. The functionality is not great. Matt actually trialed one not long after my head injury because he saw directly and was living directly with the, you know, the consequences and repercussions of a head injury. Yeah. And so he trialed the, um, the hat that we're talking about is like a cowboy hat with a strap. And it was just, it was still really hot and there was no flex in it. So unless you had it done up so tight, it was like choking you. It would flap off and fly off and things like that, even with that little thing. So it wasn't a good option. Matt, it, Matt now will wear a helmet breaking in and riding young horses. And it is a policy that we wear helmets on horses. It's, and, and it's at manager's discretion on who sh- needs to wear helmets. But we have a rule of thumb that if you're riding a young horse or when you're breaking in, you wear a helmet. So yeah. all the senior management, we, and, um, we wear helmets when we're breaking in at Wave Hill. And it just becomes a no brainer. It's so easy. And because, yeah, it, and it sets a good example, you know, Matt was sort of like, well, I don't have to prove who I am anymore. I can, um, you know, I'll wear a helmet. I don't care. Yeah. It's too much. We now have too much at stake. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just don't know who we need to get listening to this to be like, hey, can you please design something better? I'm trying to remember no. who used to make helmets like ones that have. Uh, Dublin. Yeah, that's that brings me um, back to my GPA. childhood. They're the polar cross ones. I, that's yeah. one I had originally with like a brim. Yeah. They're cool. And they are like, it's just the lack of sun protection and, and just having this hot, bulky thing on your head. It's yeah. hot. Like um, 
second round this year, like I was riding my breaker and it was stinking hot. And I, he's lovely and quiet and he, and I was so tempted to take my helmet off because it was just so hot. And I just thought, no, nah, no, nah. like I was, I bring him down and I took my helmet off when I was having my lunch and I was like, put my hat on and I just thought, oh, I could just swing back up on this horse now without that helmet. It'll be so easy and it'll be so much cooler on my head and my body. And I just thought, no, 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 it's not worth the risk. It's just not worth the risk. And, and we ha- sort of have a bit of a culture now that if you want to wear a helmet, there's no flack, no one gets shit for it. Like, which is nice because when yeah. I, the only time I've worked a breaker, which is overseas, I went and bought a helmet because I never worked one before. Mm. Like I was, I was like, you know, I'd never, and I got so much, you know, it's not cowboy to wear a helmet. Yeah. But it's literally the words they said to me. I yeah. mean, this is a different country, different culture, but it's a I got a lot of shit for wearing that helmet. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Nah, like, nah. first of all, I'm not getting paid enough yeah. to get permanently disabled yes. or injured. Absolutely. Plus being overseas, you know, like health oh, insurance, insurance and all that kind of stuff. But, I just think, like, who, also, how does it affect you in your day if I wear a helmet? Like, nothing. Doesn't how does it affect? It's your head. And exactly, this is what I say yeah. to our staff. In the end, you're with us for a year, two years, three years, but you're in that body for your whole life. And I know that some, there's so much we don't know about our brain. So much and that we we're finding know. out more and more, like, Absolutely. with the, um, CTE. So, oh gosh, I don't know why I'm not going to be out of mumbering. Um, a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> Not quite the same as your brain injury, though. Well, sometimes, um, <laughs> sometimes I wonder if it's brain injury or mum, mum brain. But that's that. You know, when you have multiple concussions, they first found mm. it in American footballers. If anyone has, if you haven't heard of this, go Google it. I didn't hear about it until a Canadian bull rider I know he ended up taking his life. So that's become like a bit of a yeah. a symptom of it that yeah. they that after you've got so many concussions, if you get this condition, like. You, you know, depression. I've heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, like, there's a rule in the PBR overseas, I don't know about in Australia, that, you know, the, the new young guys coming in have to wear helmets. Yep. Like, it's a rule. And I just think if anyone that rodeos as well, like, wear just wear a helmet. Right, like, it's especially a bull ride. Like, you're going to come yep. off. So, like, yep. just do it. It's I not did. worth it. It's compulsory for ju- in juniors, but I know as they get older, they don't. But, um, yeah, my, my boys will be, and Imogen, if she wants to ride rough stop, yeah. be wearing full face helmets. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and just tell them. And that's what I say to our staff. Like, I had a brain injury and I wear a helmet drafting and that's why. Because there's, you know, there's so many risk factors that you actually can't control. And there's a time and a place, like if you know your horse and, you know, I'm. And it's not always, like you said, it was a very um, mundane thing you were doing when you had your accident. Like you were just reaching out to grab that other horse. On on two two quiet horses and it was just, uh, needless to say, I damn near cut my horses in half with the girth now. (laughs) (laughs) And um, it was just a a silly accident, but uh, the repercussions were just. Quite big. I really like what you said before that you say to your staff. You're only with us for the year, with us for a year or two, but you're with you. You know, you've got that body for your life. Absolutely. And in the end, like I know, I know, like I've been on both sides of getting copping shit and giving shit for not being tough. And in yeah, like you know, saying well, you don't do that, and you gotta just bloody cowboy up. Um, but. It's your choice whether or not you want to cowboy up and it's no less cowboy if you're wearing a, ha- a helmet 
Yeah. That is, it's smarter. I think redefining what cowboy up means. Yeah. It's like, just does being it mean tough. being tough enough to not give a crap whatever anyone yeah, else is saying about like you? Yeah. Well, I can hang up. He was a bronc rider. Yeah. He can hang up just fine. And he still wears a helmet. Well, there's a, um, at the NFR in Vegas every year, each night is like themed and there's always a night. Um, tough enough to wear pink, oh, which yes. is like a regular thing for breast cancer. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, are you tough enough to wear pink? Are you tough enough to wear a helmet yeah. and say, I don't care if yeah. you think I look lame wearing a helmet? Yeah. Yes. You know, as somebody who goes out and takes photos a lot, it's, it's not, not as aesthetically pleasing. I know. It's I not. Always, I fully I acknowledge laugh, that. I pull my, you know, camp draft photos and stuff. I'm like, oh, it looks so much cooler wearing a hat. <laughs> yeah. But, but in the end. But how much cooler does it look when you're not? Yeah, busted up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing this story, especially with a little. We're trying to have a very serious conversation (laughs) with a very unserious baby sitting next to us. Jubby, jubby. And we, I don't know, maybe we can get something going where we can contact the companies. Yeah, and I just have to be really careful here because the, the the trouble with the helmets with the work that we do. There's a time, there's a time and a place for helmets, but yeah. also the, you do get really cooked, yeah. really, really cooked, and you do get heat stroke wearing them, which is why I said when I was pregnant, I actually stopped wearing them because I knew I was on a quiet horse. So I think it's a little bit of a risk assessment, which we do anyway, um, when we're assigning horses to riders and we try and match up horses to riders. But in the end, if you are uncomfortable, and you are worried, wear your helmet. Well, and the hotter you get, and if you're getting a headache and dehydrated, yeah, you're probably more likely as... putting yourself in a risk in yeah. a in a situation to have an accident. So I guess it's not about pushing helmets on everyone yeah. in every situation, but at least having the option, option. available. And it's always the option. You know, from my understanding and what I've seen is there aren't sufficient options available yeah. for people. Like whether yeah. they just want to do it if you're yeah, like you say, you're camp drafting or you're tailing wieners that day just for two hours three mm. hours you know whatever you're doing you should have the option, to, option. to have that piece of yep. equipment and, and that's I just, where we're at that's I just where don't know we're how at. it's not available yet they're like, always there if people want them it's up up to you and some some people it's not up to them we they it's mandatory because yeah. we don't feel that their writing's up to up to scratch yeah or th- that they'll be, sa- we feel that they'll be safer wearing a helmet. But once you sort of got a bit of experience, and it should be at your discretion. And at the end of the day, um, there's another podcast I've been wanting to do for quite a while with a girl who had a brain injury. I know. Yeah, and she was wearing a helmet at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they were just, I think, even walking or something. Yeah, I think. It was, yeah. Yeah, so I've been wanting to do that for years. and a her- great person to talk to. Yeah, so helmets, they're not, they don't make you bulletproof. Yeah. But. Yeah, definitely something that we should have the option to do, the option yeah. to actually have access to it and the yep. option to not feel judged when we use yeah, them. Yeah, when, so, when you use them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So just before we wrap up, quickly, what, what can we expect next year? What's happening, Connie? No more babies. <laughs> I said that in like your last episode <laughs> as well. I'm so done. I love my children, but uh, no more babies. Meanwhile, you come into this house and the first thing you do oh, is pick up this I baby. Know, but you can hand those, that beautiful little baby back. <laughs> you don't have to get up to it at night time. Is it because really- you've had two boys and so that's like twice as much like of the chance of them peeing in your face? Oh. Because I haven't experienced even, that yet. Don't even talk to me about pee. <laughs> my toilet always smells like pee. And I get swiped like every day. It's just uh, just pee on the floor. It's disgusting. I'm like, how? Why? Why, why wouldn't you just wee in the toilet? That's a whole other, you know, 
little thing. But mm. yeah, I don't know more about Wave Hill. Hopefully some more success stories from my camp drafting. <laughs> <laughs> Next year's the third year at Wave Hill. Third year at Wave Hill, yeah. More yeah. big things happening. Still yeah. plenty of development. Plenty of development. We wow. should talk to Jess Riddell, actually. Yes, our current cover girl. Yeah, our cover girl. This mm-hmm. month's. Uh, um, RM Outback magazine. Yeah. Yeah, beautiful J-Rad. She'd be a good one to talk to. We should come in together, actually. Just bring her in. Say, I'm bringing you in for a day of maccas and facials and then just drive her straight to my house and be yeah. like, this is where it's all at. She'd be like, you ambushed me. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no more about Wave Hill. We're a terror, real true blue Territorians now, so I suppose one. Guess territory. I still miss the Kimberley, but we're terror. We're here. We're here at Wave Hill for the foreseeable future. Here's to a good long wet season with very slow soaking rains. Hopefully, it's hot enough today to rain. I know. Let's hope it does. We sweaty. can dream. So sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we will catch you early in the new year for some yep. more Wave Hill tales. Oh yes. So thank you, Steph. Thanks, Connie. <laughs> Bye. Earlier in this episode, I mentioned a condition that can occur from multiple head knocks and concussions. For anyone who'd like to go and read more on it, it's called Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy, CTE, and it is a brain disorder likely caused by repeated head injuries. It causes the death of nerve cells in the brain, known as degeneration, and it gets worse over time. The only way to diagnose it is after death during an autopsy of the brain. Now, this episode isn't intended to advocate for whether or not to wear a helmet. That's everyone's individual choice. But as always, it's up to each of us to weigh up the risks, and I hope that no one feels socially pressured to avoid using one.